You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Steamheart. Chapter 35. The Cabin. From the Journal of James Penrose, Mississippi, July 20th, 1883. Fuck! 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 Why did this have to happen? Jesus Christ! Abigail roared as we galloped. Cool it. Annie cried out. We need to focus on what has to be done. We can't just leave him back there. Your husband and Harry and Jeremy, Raven, Miguel, what's the best you think is going to happen to them? That they live through this. You got blood on you. What went on back there? They got a bunch of rooms with pregnant women held captive. Annie snarled into the ear of the woman in mauve. You raped them. Those females were broken and unruly, said Rose. There was no other use for them. So we made them useful to the future of America. So what you said about anyone not wanting to have babies for you being free to leave was bullshit. No. They were free to step outside the borders of our responsibility of care for them. And even after they did that, we kept them alive and healthy when others would have cast them out. How dare you complain to me about how we treat our own? Lady, you are lucky as hell we have to keep you in pristine order. How far are we going? I asked as we galloped through the grasslands, the hillside to our right, the plains to our left, the afternoon sun beating down. You really think they'll hold off on harming the others? At the time, it was our best shot. If I tried to get us all into Steamheart, we'd be entirely vulnerable. Even if Harry could get her moving slowly again, we'd just be a tortoise, surrounded by wolves. Tensions were way too high for me to demand they trade eight lives for one. Remember, they equated Harry alone to six horses. I needed to give them some time to recall how important Rose is to them. Time for their blood to subside. Wait a second. If we go back there in a few days, load up in a steam heart, hand over Rose and drive away, we're still going to be a sitting tortoise. Not if we can get to the garrison at Vicksburg. Bring a contingent of troops along with us to guard Steamheart on the way back, and six fresh horses to pull us. That's where we're headed right now. We'll ride through the night. I don't care about Wendigos. We gotta get this done. And you think they'll be happy to trade with the reunified government? They're either smart enough to avoid a pitched battle with RSA troops, or else we're screwed anyhow. What do you think, Rose? You think your children are smart enough not to- There was a whipping sound of impact followed by a distant bang. Ah! Annie cried out in pain and dropped her left pistol, which tumbled into the long grass. We turned to see five riders pursuing us across the plain. One of them was just shoving down the rifle of another, visibly warning him not to shoot so close to Rose. I'll get your gun back. Leave it. You'll both be easy targets. Keep moving. How many bullets you got in the other one? Annie could not answer anymore. She was holding her hand to her thigh. A red patch was beginning to pool there. I'll need to see to that, I called. Get us up the hillside. There is a trail there. Abigail shouted, and we steered the two horses up towards an overgrown track. At the top of the ridge stood a log cabin. No smoke was rising from the chimney, and there was no movement in the countryside around us. We dismounted and began to climb. Abigail now pushed Rose ahead, holding Annie's pistol to her back. The captain leaned on me and limped forward painfully over the grassy pathway, unable to put any real weight on her left leg. The cabin was empty and looked like it hadn't been inhabited for years. Dust coated the walls and furniture. 
a hermit had lived there. I spotted a curled-up Confederate flag on the dresser, and suspended from one of the beams, a horseshoe hanging down, loose from a rusted nail. I moved Annie over to the bed beside the front window where she sat up. Abigail went into the kitchen and tied Rose to a chair with a length of thin Hessian rope she found there, shoving a rag into her mouth. You sit, stay, and shut up! Meanwhile, I was tying a tourniquet around the top of Annie's thigh and pressing my clean handkerchief into the wound to plug it up temporarily, causing her to scream. She adjusted herself frantically, breathing fast. Take it easy. Don't go into shock. I need you to lie on your back with this leg elevated above your heart. I have to be sitting so I can shoot. I really must insist that you... I need to focus, James. Back off me. And search the house for firearms. She opened the chamber of her pistol and checked it, scanning the tree-covered hillside below us for our pursuers. Abigail came in from the bedroom and laid down two Enfield muskets, powder and shot. These are all dry. Shit. Nothing else? A couple of kitchen knives and a rusty wood chopping axe. I don't suppose you have that shotgun Harry made you. Abigail swept back her coat to reveal an empty holster. On Steamheart. Along with my medical bag. And my ammo. Annie grimaced as she leaned an arm out of the window and fired off a round. Then another. Then she puffed and inhaled rapidly, biting back pain as returning gunshots could be heard from outside. Did you hit anyone? Got a guy. Yes. Great. Just four left. I have... Three bullets in my pistol. We can help. James and I can take one of these muskets apiece. Muskets are real inaccurate. I could maybe make them work. But the way you two shoot, you gotta stay inside. I'll do this. Okay, then we'll load them for you. We set about pouring in the powder and shot, priming them with the ramrods and lighting one with Abigail's matches. Annie took it and leaned out again, one eye closed. My hands are shaking. Someone hold this steady. She called. Abigail rushed in and got close, wrapping her hands around Annie's. That's good. Now hold your breath so it won't quiver. I peered out of the right front window and saw movement down there. The wind rustled the leaves and the shadows were growing longer. There were four men with rifles, all of them pointed in this direction, creeping from tree to tree. The short one wore a bowler hat, another was bald and burly, the third was lean and tall, his eyes locked on our position, and the fourth and eldest bore a great filthy charcoal beard. Annie pulled the trigger and the bald one lurched sideways, holding his neck. Beautiful. One down, and only three left. Swap with me, James. I brought my own rifle in as the man outside screamed his last. The others increased their speed of traversal, keeping lower now. Annie took hold of the gun. I could hear her heart beating fast in her chest and tiny little secondary gasps that accompanied every breath. I will need to attend to you soon, I whispered. Just get this done, she replied and pulled the trigger. There was a click and a flurry of smoke. Shit, misfire. Gray... The other one. Quickly. Yes, Captain. Abigail was serious and focused and traded places with me again. 
I diligently reloaded mine as another shot was fired. A charcoal-bearded figure rolled down the hillside as the remaining pair opened up with their rifles, bullets slamming through the wood and past the women at the window. I pressed myself against the right-hand wall of the cabin. Annie's head had drifted sideways, and Abigail caught and shook her. She regained consciousness, but was disoriented. How long was I? Just a few seconds. Abigail reassured her, pulling away as I moved in. This time I wrapped my hand around Annie's back to keep her steady. I felt her give and exhale slowly, waiting, waiting for movement. They broke from the nearest tree, sprinting towards the door, now just ten feet away from us. She fired off and caught Bowler Hat in the chest, throwing him backwards, then flung the musket down on the bed as the front door burst open. I snatched up the second musket and stood in the kitchen directly in front of the tall, lean man, simply to give him something to focus on as he entered. To his left side, Annie raised her pistol and let loose three rounds through his hand, heart, and head. He crashed to the ground with a cry of dismay and shuddered his last. All was silent. I cleared aside the muskets and searched the house for medical supplies, finding the sharpest knife, a thick blunt needle, and some dusty cord, which would have to do. I returned to my administrations of the wounded leg. The upper half of her trousers were soaked now, and the copper smell of blood was overwhelming. I worked away as she twitched and moaned, and soon my forearms were scarlet, and the wound was as closed as it was going to be. I wish I could have done more, and faster. It's, it's okay. It's okay, James. You two, you, you two kept me going while I did what I needed to do. No, we're not done. We're not done. Abigail had been pacing about helplessly watching us and now knelt down beside Annie. And this isn't how you go out. A lousy bullet to the leg. I'm... I'm scared, Abigail. She looked up at us both, without a shred of authority or command. I I don't want to be alone. Abigail leaned in and held the captain as she shook, and her life ebbed away. Are the... Are the wolves at the door? No. You shot every one of them. And, and we're safe. Yeah. We're safe. I leaned against the wall, holding my head in my hands, cursing myself for not predicting this course of events, for my inabilities as a doctor, for this useless eye. I don't know how to go on without you pushing me forward. How do you do what you do? You bring hope. Real hope. A tear rolled down Annie's cheek. I give that hope to everyone else. So there's... There's barely ever much left for me. Then how do you see people as worth saving? I just... I just find a few who are. That has to... That has to be enough to... Keep me going. Her eyes lost focus. And... 
as the forest stood still around us in the late afternoon. Captain Annie Oakley departed from this world. been listening to episode 35 of Steamheart, The Cabin, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Abigail Gray performed by Sharon Shaw. James Penrose performed by Alex Shaw. Rose McClellan performed by Theo Lee. And Annie Oakley was performed by Loretta Saylor. Make your decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Cowgirl Soldier composed and performed especially for Steamheart by Gil Haim Steinberg. Crypto, Prelude in Action, and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode. So thank you to Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, John Clayson, Tyler Long, Adam Kilmartin, Joe Gasiga, Greg Downing, Tim Rosinski, Christopher Wolfe, Kat Essman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Kevin Otero, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse. Kieran Datchler and Lorraine Chisholm.